The Transport, Episode 20. The explosion will be big, but not that big. The Transport by Alex Ames You are listening to The Transport, a sci-fi military action thriller audiobook podcast written and performed by Alex Ames. The music throughout the podcast is the song The Last True Boss by Kumiku, available on the freemusicarchive.org. Chapter 69 Morales Morales grumbled silently various curses. That cyborg got her blood boiling, a mix of a stubborn child and an arrogant soldier. The change of plan did not sit lightly with Morales, who liked to execute plans. Improvisation was fine, but usually a whole team needed to train for such stuff. Train a lot. At least Eva works on the mission goal and fights on our side, she thought while approaching the elevator bank on the third floor. Well, let's hope that's the case. Who knew what overall mission parameters the cyborg had in that beautiful electronic brain of hers? Maybe she wants to clean up our planet to build a cyborg colony? Morales had improvised a crowbar from the ripped-off leg from a lab table which she now used to pry open the button controls on each elevator. She ripped out the buttons and cut anything remotely looking like wiring, leaving raw copper dangling. After she was done, she walked one level up and tested the result of her sabotage. She didn't even need to press a button, the displays above the elevators already read, out of order. They should give me an engineering degree when I'm out of here. Now for the freight elevator. Still on fourth floor, she silently made her way towards the far end of the building. Another elevator. A huge thing. The door was a garage skate-sized. An ancient design with horizontally sliding doors made of sheet metal. Solid. A relic from the good old factory times. Not good. No call buttons on the outside, nothing to manipulate. She carefully rattled at the door slit that separated the upper and lower part of the door, but it was solidly shut. The crowbar fit between the slit too, but failed to result in breaking open the door either. Built at a time when things were indestructible and were made to last forever. Damn it. The elevator moved somewhere on the lower floors, the noise of the cables coming from behind the door. The slimy slugs moving their precious life pots, no doubt. Where was the machinery for the elevator? The roof or the basement? Most likely, both too dangerous to approach alone. Morales checked the staircase beside the freight elevator and found there were no stairs up to the roof, only down. As Leo had described it, the only way further up was from the central staircase. She sneaked over, 
noiselessly like a cat in the dark, roaming the empty building. Only the occasional emergency light or moon glow fought the darkness. Empty lab rooms left and right, no one around. This notable absence of guards told Morales a lot. The enemy was stretched thinly, just like her own team. It was unforgivable to let the opponent get that close without detection. The central staircase up. Morales carefully checked the door from the passage into the stairs for explosive devices. When she had finally opened it, she checked every single step for tripwires before finally reaching the upper landing. The building was old but had been refurbished with modern concrete fireproof stairs and metal railings all painted in bright white. A large glass headlight showed the night sky ten feet above her out of reach. A sturdy metal door leading onto the roof. Don't open the door, Eva's words rang in her head. For sure, the roof door was rigged with some explosive to give the guards peace of mind from any surprises. Standard procedure. Morales would have done the same to protect the high ground. Plus, it was suicide to engage a fight alone. Three to four guards up there. One guard she was able to take on by herself with a moment of surprise. Perhaps a second due to her superior killing skills versus a bunch of amateurs but beating the rest would come down to hard-ass luck, and the amount of luck Morales had left in the bank was unknown. She had to return with a bigger group. What bigger group, girl? Maybe Whitaker and Garner would be able to run such an attack, but not a five, six female lieutenant. She grimaced up to the headlights, so near and so far away. We need that advantage. Back to the drawing board. She left the staircase on the third and searched for Leo and Eva. She heard Leo long before she could see him, with a gun in hand crouching in one of the lab doors guarding Eva's work. Don't shoot, Leo, Morales whispered loudly from ten yards away. How did you know it was me? Leo greeted her. You're breathing like a diesel truck, Morales said. How's your artificial girlfriend coming along? She hasn't killed us yet, Leo answered. Leo and Morales went into the lab where Eva was moving with incredible speed between various lab stations, all pretenses to be human, gone. She looked like a video on Fast Forward, a surreal sight. Can you talk and work? Morales inquired. Sure, mouth and limbs are independent, the girl said, whooshing from one corner into the next. I stopped the main elevators, but failed to sabotage the loading elevator at the far end. The elevator door is shut solid, there are no controls to short wire, and I didn't want to stir up anyone below and made them aware of our presence here. The access to the roof is too tricky to try alone. With your cyborg skills you might make it, though. Unless you change your mind, my work is done here for now. I will continue my work, Eva said. Morales felt it was futile to argue with the robot, so she nodded. All right, your plan so far is the best we've got. We'll give you your distraction, 30 minutes after a test explosion. Eva glanced at her watch, then at her lab at Arsenal. Expect our test between 4 and 5 in the morning. Are your circuits blown? The sclones might be gone by then. 
I doubt that. But our plan will only work if we have as few opponent eyes on this clone lab downstairs as possible. Morales nodded at Eva and Leo. I'll sneak outside and make my way back to our team. We'll see if we come up with a good plan. I will continue my work, Eva repeated. She has this loop thing when she's running out of arguments, Leo explained. Break a leg, guys, Morales said, and left them. Chapter 70 Charles Leo's and Eva's confiscated drug dealer arsenal was good, but no match against the constant barrage of return fire from the Legion workers. The aliens had the terrain working in their favor. The three remaining guards on the building top still had full control of the Legion analytics area. The four additional sentries on the MMTU and on the ramp itself made sure that also the roof's dead spots behind the spaceship and in front of the atrium were covered. Charles stared at the building, 200 yards away, but inaccessible to them. Still a perfect setup, unfortunately. We are not really closer in stopping the aliens from leaving Earth. He fingered the set phone in his pants pockets and thought about the deadly planes circling high above, ready to drop their load. They need time, but it was the Sclones who controlled it. I have nothing hopeful to tell the President should communication be re-established. We are undermanned, underpowered, underarmored, under everything. We are so screwed. Charles spotted Morales's attempt of exfiltration first. In his nervousness, he stared almost pleadingly at the Legion HQ, as if to force events to happen with his sheer will, his hands cramping from forming fists. The others must consider him mad. He had already seen Washington and Mac exchange looks. If only they knew. He gave a shout. Movement in the alley. Morales is coming out. Whitaker visibly flinched. Sounds carried far into the night and Charles acted like an elephant in a china shop. Cena, who was acting as Whitaker's spotter, confirmed through her field glasses as she followed Morales as she vanished into the utility building. Cena turned to Whitaker, who searched for rooftop guards but didn't find any. Someone had learned its lesson. Ping the roof when I give the go. Just two or three shots to keep the slugs busy and distracted. I think our boss doesn't need more than two seconds to cross into safety, Sino commanded. Roger that, Whitaker murmured, steadied his breath, checked his scope settings. The 25-yard stretch was the shortest distance from the buildings into safety. Charles saw Morales reappear on the other side of the utility building. She looked over into their direction once, as if asking for support. Sina gave the command. She's ready, ping it. Whitaker started a quick succession of shots, one against the balustrade of the roof, one a few inches above, one against, one above, with one second spacing. But this time the opposition had learned their lesson. Learned it well. 
Immediately, return fire from several enemy positions started up simultaneously. The army team on the building roof had to duck under cover, ricochets pinging and buzzing all around them, and Whittaker had to stop his distraction. The last thing Charles noticed before he dove for cover too was one of the Legion roof guards leaning over the roof enclosure, rifle first, pointing at the utility building. They knew something was up and were proactively looking downwards and were making Morales a sitting duck. Chapter 71 Morales Morales had made her way back into the utility building undetected and hoped that someone from the army team on the opposite roof had seen her crossing. Now all she needed was a little distraction to cross the remaining 25 yards to safety. She hoped that the roof guards still had not figured out that the opposition was in the Legion building. But hope was a bad military strategy. Carefully, she left the backside of the utility building, taking one step forward, so that Whittaker, Washington or the dog were able to see her. She glanced up to the other roof briefly, maybe a telepathic message helped. A moment later, she saw a gun flare from the neighboring roof and heard the shot almost a second later. A second shot flaring, brilliant, Whittaker delivered. She had to buy that guy a beer when all of this was over. Morales took a deep breath and started running towards the tree line, 25 yards, 4 seconds, a piece of cake under covering fire. Not. She was already 5 yards away from the wall that gave her cover from the roof shooters when suddenly the fire pattern changed and the Legion's roof team was shooting back, massively. Fifteen more yards, three more seconds, Morales was fully committed now, no way back, and totally uncovered. She imagined the enemy's gun on her back. A desperate cut to the left to throw off the enemy's aim, anything to gain another precious yard. The Legion team was shooting so much that it was impossible to tell which shot was aimed at her and which against the opposite rooftop. Ten yards, two seconds to go, five yards, one second, almost there. Morales felt the impact of the first bullet, a slam between her shoulder blades, the bulletproof vest taking the brute force. Like a fist punch, brutally painful, but not deadly. She lost her balance and had to make bigger steps to regain it. She reached the tree line and made a desperate dash to the right, the smack of a bullet hitting a palm tree behind her. She didn't know at what point the tree line would cover her completely and continued to run as fast as she could. Another cut to the left, a second bullet found her. Her right leg becoming useless under her during a full speed run and Morales fell headlong, excruciating pain consuming her body. Alex Ames here. Sorry for the little interruption. 
this story will continue momentarily. If you like a good thriller, check out my 2020 novel COVID Trouble. COVID Trouble is a novel in my ongoing troubleshooter series featuring the corporate troubleshooter Paul Trouble. COVID Trouble takes place in Paris, France after the first lockdown of 2020, just when life seems to normalize again during the worldwide life-threatening pandemic. And France is getting ready for some well-earned summer vacations. Someone is poisoning supermarkets with the virus. Is it a lunatic? Is it a terrorist act? Paul Trouble will find out. A lot of bullets will fly, there are car chases, gunfights, rooms full of dead people, deadly fire traps and many, many, many ways to die. Covid Trouble is available as ebook at most online retailers and as paperback at Amazon and some other e-tailers. Check it out, it's a ride. It's inspired by the current events of that crazy, crazy year 2020. COVID Trouble is the name, Alex Ames, the author. That being said, buy the book. And now, let's jump back into the transport. Chapter 72 Sina A moment later, the shooting stopped. Sina felt disoriented and lifted head slowly. Her ears still rang and she still sorted out her body parts, checking whether she had been hit or not. Did Morales make it? Charles shouted. Norman, stop making noise. It's night time. We can hear you very well. Whitaker quietly sat ten yards away, having changed his position, checking out the Legion HQ roof. Sina moved to a location where she had a better view of the back of the utility building. She adjusted the field glasses. After a moment she declared, Got her. She's been shot. Lies under the cover of the trees. They can't see her anymore. Conscious? Whitaker asked. She's moving, yeah. Looks like her lower leg. But she won't be able to come back by herself. We need to get her. Mac and one of the green berets took the bus to pick up Morales. They patched her up as well as they could on the spot and transported back to the makeshift headquarters. The bus parked behind the building. Whitaker kept guard on the roof and the rest assembled around in an ashen-faced Morales. Her right lower leg was bandaged, blood seeping through. Charles asked the rescuers about his status. Mac returned from washing his hands in the office building's restroom. A lot of damage. The shin bone might be broken. But I just transport stuff. I'm not a doctor. The bullet tore open a lot of skin. She will live, but I suggest moving her to the hospital where we left the others. Sina put a bottle of water into Morales' hand, which the officer downed heavily in one gulp. Close call, Sina asked and gave her another one. Never go to war with a hard-headed cyborg. That lady drives me nuts, Morales winced. Our opposition is well organized and learns quickly. The shooting trick only worked once. Oh, my back is killing me. The first shot caught me between the shoulder blades. We'll have the medicine woman check it out too. Maybe a rib got broken, Mac said. Morales continued. The worst thing is that the opposition has us figured out by now. 
No way we'll manage to sneak into the building once again. It's too dangerous. What about Eva and Leo? Charles asked. Morales described the interior setup and explained Eva's plan. Charles was relieved to see some development. You think her explosives will work? Eva is surely competent, and I have no doubt she knows our planet's chemistry better than we do. Will she make a powerful bomb? I'm sure. Will she be able to smuggle it on board of the spaceship? I don't know. A lot of factors will play into the success. That's why she requested the additional distraction, I guess, to keep the eyes off the life pods, Morales stated her opinion. Eva's plan might fail after all, Sina said. Do we have a plan B? We need a plan that gains us double advantage, Charles said. A distraction for Eva and to bring a group of us into the building. Once we are inside, we have options. We can capture the roof to disrupt their perimeter cover or go for the lab or even wreak havoc inside the spaceship. He smiled grimly. Question is, how do we move closer without a tank? They outgun us and they outman us. They have the elevation. All they need to do is wait the situation out, defend passively and continue to board the ship, Morales threw in. Getting closer to their objective without real danger. Charles looked at his watch. Eva said that we would be able to hear the result of her experiment soon. From that time on, she will need another half an hour to distribute the explosives. We need to come up with our plan quickly. He looked at Sina and Mac. Take Morales to the clinic and return right away. Chapter 73 Leo Leo was pacing the floor, nervously glancing out of the window overlooking the back lot. The shooting had stopped once more, and with horror he had witnessed Morales getting shot. Now no one could be seen anymore, neither friend nor foe. They were safe for now. He glanced over to Eva. For almost two hours now she was doing his rapid movement thing, jerking through the room as if pulled by an invisible rubber band from Bunsen heater to lab supplies to the sink and back again. She looked as if she was acting in a time-lapse video. Once in a while Leo roamed the corridor to check up on the perimeter, but all was quiet. You know what you're doing? I do. How come your cyborg brain has superior chemical knowledge how to cook something super lethal from this lab kitchen designed for something completely different. Eva did not stop. Improvised devices with fertilizers on nitrogenous bases are an option, but it takes a long time of unstable cooking and a lot of fertilizer, which we don't have, and many elements from my database are not available on your planet. But this stuff here is better than household-made explosives? Oh, this is nirvana for the improvised cyborg mind. Eva measured another fluid and frowned. Hmm, we need a primer too. What will we have? I'll have a Reuben while you're at it. Your jokes are funny, sometimes. 
for a machine you understand well. My operating system conceptualizes the intelligent species of about 800 planets. That includes the identification of basic emotional interactions, like sorrow, joy or jokes. She rummaged through the shelves again. What other Earth species are on it? Leo asked. I bet cats rank above us, right? Or dogs? No. No? No higher rank? Or no, not on the list? Ask better questions that don't get you into semantical trouble. Can you give me an example of another species humor? She briefly paused, considering. On Farcard 7, a joke about the Emperor's bitten-off nose is considered funny. Can't wait to see that stand-up act in Vegas. Leo rubbed his face. Despite the constant adrenaline, he was bone-tired and running on fumes. He checked the corridors again and peered from the windows. Hope the others are all right. We haven't heard gunfire exchange for a while now. I'm good. Eva held up a white plastic container containing a fluid and something that looked like the condom, filled with fluid too. Tied close on the upper open end with some wire. Ta-ta! You are precious, Eva, Leo said and pointed at the condom. Don't tell me you took light years of travel with a condom in your pocket. Guys, you always think about sex. Isn't that why you dress sexy to drive 50% of the planet's humans mad? Actually, Mother and I had watched the Terminator series in preparation of our mission and modeled us after the main character. Leo stared at her, open-mouthed, caught herself. Then I guess we can call ourselves lucky that you did not watch Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. And FYI, this is not a condom, but a double-layered finger of a lab glove, my virtues untouched. Tell that to the Nazis. Wasn't that virtuous? I can't believe that we're having this conversation. What now? Blow up the bad guys? I need to test the potency. Dio giggled. <laughs> Glad to be of service. Any other girl would have rolled her eyes at Leo, but Eva's calm brown eyes looked patiently at him. The explosive's quality and the primer's timing. Oh, right. Eva selected a deserted regular office a few doors down, as far away from the loading activities as possible. Eva sprinkled a small portion of the self-made explosives from the bigger mixing pot into half-ounce white plastic container and placed it against one of the exterior walls of the old brick building. How does this work exactly? Leo asked. Usually nitrogen is quite inert in your atmosphere. Not that exactly. The Fox News version, please. She smiled. The explosives goes off when the fluid within the latex finger mixes with the content of the container. How do they mix? I made the explosive an acid. It eats away the latex and the trigger component mixes with the explosive after a certain time. You tested this? I did a series of tests. Double layer, triple layer, quadruple layer, varying acidity, 5, 10, 15 minutes, pretty reliable. Eva held up her test primer. Five minutes from the moment we put the finger into the fluid. Leo took back a step. You're sure? No, that's why I want you to test it. And if... Well, wait a minute, why am I testing it? Where did the we go? 
Eva stood up and held Leo by the shoulders. Trust me, it will work. I hear Bud coming. In case it doesn't and you will be blown to the pearly gates, such poetry from a cyborg sexy mouth, and I will still be around to use the remaining explosives for a suicide mission. Leo knew she was just a machine but liked her gentle touch tremendously. Jesus, how screwed up can you get? He moved her hands away. I get it. I guess it makes no sense to reverse roles. You test and I go for the suicide mission. Leo, you are a data analyst. Have you killed before? You will need to kill a lot of your former co-workers in order to get close to the open hatch. Leo remained silent. Then he shook his head. Ah, you of the optimistic tribe. Let's get it on. Eva unscrewed the lid of the plastic container, gave Leo the squishy timer finger and pointed at the wall clock that showed the seconds. She waited until the hand passed the twelfth. In 60 seconds, you drop the timer into the fluid and walk away quickly. Where to? Other end of the corridor. I'll be waiting. She gave him a kiss on the cheek, verified his sneaker laces and briskly walked out of the room. Leo held the timer finger at a long arm in front of him, focusing the small plastic container. There goes my hero, bombing where he goes. There goes my hero, he's extraordinary, Leo ad-libbed, humming, watching the second hand crawl up to the hour. On the dot at twelve, he took a deep breath, gently dropped the latex finger into the container, survived, left the room and finally ran like hell down the corridor. Eva waited at the far end. Leo caught his breath. <laughs> First part of the test worked. The waiting began. Leo mustered Eva, who stood relaxed, her hands crossed. You don't need a watch? Stopwatch comes as standard functionality in every cyborg without praying extra, the cyborg answered. Leo failed to detect any irony in the statement. Well, saves you one smartphone app and comes in handy when boiling eggs or bombing your employer. You want me to call it out? Two-minute mark. When they reached the four-minute mark, Leo asked, Shouldn't we take cover? The explosion will be big, but not that big. Are you sure? A third of the energy goes into the building frame destruction, two-thirds into the room, less than 10% will make it around the corner, and we are at 30 yards out. But you want to open your mouth to protect your ears from the pressure wave. Leo opened his mouth, and another number of seconds passed. I'm a stupid, he said without closing his lips. No, you have good teeth and a healthy tongue. A compliment. My new girlfriend is hilarious. I have inner values too, you know. I'm sure I'll find them one day. Until then I'm content with your teeth and your tongue, Eva smiled. They continued to wait for the explosion. Which never came.
Chapter 74 Sina What if it doesn't happen? Sina asked. Charles, Mac and she stood on the roof of their building after having checked Morales into the hospital. The Green Beret had been swearing constantly on the way to the clinic and had been greeted by the dry humor of the Indian doctor. A bad day of the professional caretakers, it seems. The city goes to pieces, I ran out of samosas and you got shot. Charles had the field glass over his eyes trained on the well-lit parking lot opposite. He looked like someone who tried to figure out something, anything. It will happen, he said. Is everything all right, Charles? Sina asked. He glanced at them, a harried look on his long face. All good, I have trust in the team. Mac growled. Their leader didn't sound very hopeful. And all that time our guys are in captivity. Sina put a hand on Mac's shoulder, but he pushed it away. Did you hear me? I heard you, Sina said, but there's much too much at stake. Our orders are to stop the ship from leaving. That has priority over freeing our people. And we are putting a lot of trust in this robot lady to make our primary objective happen, Mac muttered. Trust is all we have at this point, don't we? Charles held against. 3.30, Sina glanced at her watch. The stars will start to go away around 4.15. The sky will slowly turn light from around 5. I don't know much about warfare, but darkness gives you better chances than daylight when you are undermanned and lack firepower. Charles continued to stare through the field glasses. I read you, but let's give Eva the time she needs. Sina sighed inwardly. Mac on the warpath and the dark hopeful on the cockeyed plan of strangers. This will not end well. This is it for this week's edition of The Transport, the sci-fi action thriller written and performed by Alex Ames. If you liked what you just heard, leave a comment in whatever platform you downloaded or listened to the podcast. If there are stars, star me, help me spread the good. And again, my shameless self-promoting plug, if you liked it so far and can't bear the suspense, buy the book. If you can bear the suspense, buy the book. And that's it, for real. Wherever you are, whoever you are, thank you, take care, I hear you next time. This is Alex Ames, this was The Transport, over and out.